What a great service that we've had so far. We get to come together and worship our Lord and honor one another. Um, even We believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to people today. We got to hear a word uh, from God and, and just spend some time responding to that. Um, aren't you grateful to be here together? It's such an incredible part of the day, of the week, and uh, it's a privilege to be a part of this. So my name is Pastor Sam. I'm the associate pastor here, and usually it's our lead pastor, Ben, who gives the message on a Sunday morning, and uh, he and his family are on vacation right now. So I get to share with you today, and I'm excited about that. Um, and actually, to start things off, I want to give you a missionary update that pertains to the topic we'll be discussing today, and it's been slightly altered due to the sensitive nature of their ministry. Um, and if you're interested in who this is, I can certainly let you know after service. Um, but here's what it says in one of their recent newsletters. I'll just, I'll just read this part here. It says, in a book I read some years ago, I came across an illustration that I found very insightful. In the book, Misreading Scripture with Individualist Eyes, dedicated uh, there's a portion dedicated to the concept of the middleman. Please allow me to share a quote with you. A number of years ago, a cartoon aired on Arab TV. In the cartoon, a man discovers a genie in a lamp. The genie is lazy. He offers the man only one wish. So the man asks the genie to grant him a very well-connected mediator. The genie scratches his head and offers him millions of dollars an easier task than finding him such a powerful mediator. Eventually, the genie does bring him a powerful mediator, and the man proceeds to ask this mediator for favors, which he's able to provide far better than the genie. In fact, the mediator even intervenes with the genie to persuade him to grant the man more wishes. As in the West, cartoons often comment on cultural values. And here, the story illustrates that having a powerful mediator can get things done and provide you with advantages, but it can be difficult to find one. The ministry I've been involved with is not your typical ministry. Many of these people don't know how to do anything in the country, and many of them can't speak the language. I try to guide them in the process of assimilating to the culture and in the process share Jesus with them. The amount of time I get to spend with them now is amazing. In many ways, I am like the genie in the Arab TV cartoon. I am functioning as a mediator to help them in ways they can't help themselves, in hopes of leading them to our ultimate mediator, Jesus. It is only through Jesus, our middleman and mediator, that we are able to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and experience His presence forever. So this missionary is helping people get acclimated to this country's culture, and they're the middleman, if you will. That's kind of the term he uses for this mediator, right? Between these people and then the ways of the world around them. They can't help themselves because they don't have the know-how, the understanding. They don't have the power to get what they need, right? So that's where this missionary is coming in, and they're guiding uh, these people coming alongside to help them with what they don't have the power to do. And so while they're spending time with them, they get to share Jesus, who is the ultimate middleman, right? They're the mediator between, uh, between these individuals and what they need. So that's a bit about what we're going to be talking today, that Jesus is the best middleman, all right? And a middleman, as you can imagine, is simply a go-between, 
right? They're the person who stands between two individuals, two parties. Um, they're the mediator between them. So when there's a discrepancy, the middleman acts as a mediator to bring resolution, to bring reconciliation, right? Or maybe you think of a middleman more of in, in economic terms, right? There's, there's a supply of goods coming through, and there's a middleman who, you know, gets it to the consumers or the different retailers. And it's an important link in the process of supply and demand. It's someone who helps in ways uh, the, the, the receiver can't help themselves, right? Um, how many of you watched the Andy Griffith show? Anybody remember such a great show from the 1960s? Um, I've actually gone back and watched quite a few episodes. Probably, I can't remember if I watched all of it, but I definitely saw most of the seasons. And uh, love the town of Mayberry, right? And you have Andy, the sheriff, his son, Opie. Um, Gomer Pyle was a favorite in the show, right? And uh, it was just such a fun setting, lighthearted, uh, small town life. And we see time and again how Andy had to be the mediator, right? Maybe it was old Barney that was letting his personality get a bit out of control. <laughs> and Andy had to kind of maybe calm him down a little bit and say, okay, all right, Barney, now, you know, it's not, not what you think it is. Let's listen to this other person, you know. And Andy's having to kind of like, okay, hold on a minute. Or maybe it's someone from out of town who's causing trouble in Mayberry. Well, whatever the case is, Andy is the sheriff around those parts, so he rightfully has the authority to serve as the mediator for those moments. Any Star Wars fans in here? <laughs> Some Star Wars fans, all right. So how many of you remember in uh, episode six, C-3PO, when Han and Luke are kind of in a rough spot with the Ewoks and C-3PO, you know, that little, you know, the gold guy who, you know, walks like that and talks funny. I should have had a picture, I guess, but I think, I think you kind of know what I'm talking about. He's all shimmery and everything. Well, he's the guy who, who, the only one who understands their language. And so those guys would have been in trouble if it weren't for him because, you know, out of the millions of languages that C-3PO speaks, well, fortunately for Han and Luke, this is one of them. And so he can communicate and keep them out of trouble, basically, right? So he was serving as a mediator, a middleman. So if you're not a Star Wars fan or you haven't seen the Andy Griffith show, the point is that mediators possess some authority or understanding that's needed. And whether it's a law enforcement officer or maybe it's some sort of legal mediator, they're able to come alongside and bring resolution to a situation. So today, Jesus, as we're talking about, is the best middleman. So our scripture is going to be Hebrews 4, uh, chapter, or excuse me, Hebrews 4, verse 14. And uh, I'll go ahead and read it. I'm reading from the ESV translation this morning. It'll be up on your screen if you'd like to follow along. It says this, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever in the order, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So that's our main passage for today, Hebrews 4, and we're getting a little bit into chapter 5 as well. Um, We'll look at quite a few other passages in addition to that, kind of just supporting the different topics that that we'll be on as we just discuss this passage, okay? So would you join me in prayer as we get started today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through it. And I ask that you would uh, minister to our hearts as we uh, ponder these things. And we thank you so much for who you are. Um, May you be honored and glorified. Uh, Speak to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So the first point this morning. Jesus is our high priest. Now, when we think of priest at least in terms of Jesus and what he does, his, his functions. Sometimes we call them his offices. Uh, we also perhaps talk about you know, his, his kingly, his kingship. We talk about um, his prophethood, right? Prophet, priest, and king, the three offices of Christ. And uh, priest is being a mediator. So before we dive into some of these things on the verses we just read, I wanted to give you a little bit of backstory on Israel and its priesthood, okay? So when we're talking about priests, what exactly do we mean? What was it like? What happened? That sort of thing. So we can actually go back all the way to, oh goodness, at least, you know, Leviticus, um, when Aaron and his sons were consecrated, they're, they're set apart, they're ordained, um, to be the priests, right? Aaron and his descendants are going to be the priests for God's temple, for God and his people, being the Israelites. So the role of a priest basically was to offer sacrifices. They would facilitate worship ceremonies. And when people sinned, their relationship with God needed mending, right? It needed, needed to be made right. They needed forgiveness, And when people worship, they needed the priest to offer their gift to God on their behalf, right? So the Israelites had to bring that offering, bring that gift, and they needed the priest uh, to help them in that. The priest, in essence, is bringing people closer to God. He's helping them in their relationship with him. Now, underlying all of this, what's important to understand is God's holiness. So only God is holy, right? And his holiness can't mix with unholiness that just that wouldn't make sense right if something is clean it can't also be dirty 
if something's broken, it can't also be perfect. That's the concept for that. So if something's holy, can't also be unholy. So uh, we could even think back to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden and uh, things were perfect, right? Until they weren't. And it sure didn't take long, did it? And they ate the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened after that? Well, a lot of things happened after that. But among them, uh, in Genesis 3, we find that God made clothes for them out of skins. So presumably, some animal had to die to cover over the sins of Adam and Eve. It served as a covering that made reconciliation with God possible. Since people aren't perfect like God is, we need something, someone, to bring us back into relationship with God. Unless, I don't know, are you, I mean, have you ever tried being perfect? Did anybody, have you, okay, Pastor Sterling says he's tried. Yeah, I mean, I remember a time when I was a kid, I was probably like seven or eight, I don't know if I had just gotten in trouble or something, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try to be perfect. I am not going to do anything wrong. I, I mean, how hard can it be, right? You're a kid. Life isn't that complicated yet. Just listen to mom and dad. Be nice to my siblings and respect one another. That should be good to go, right? I will be perfect. I'm going to be a good, well, you know, a few minutes in. I don't know. Maybe it was the time I, you know, tested my Nerf gun on my brother's ear or something like that. <laughs> it just doesn't take long, right? No one's perfect. It doesn't matter how hard we try. Well, I have good news for you. Jesus, our middleman, is perfect. He is a perfect high priest. And once a year, the Israelite high priest would perform a special sacrifice called on the Day of Atonement to atone for the sins of the entire nation of Israel. But in this, he needed to make atonement first for himself because he himself wasn't without sin. And so he made a sacrifice for himself, and then he could make a sacrifice on behalf of the people. Jesus, however, needs no such atonement for himself. And why is that? Because he's completely holy. He's without blemish. He is sinless. And so he is worthy. He's able to approach the Father and freely exercise his priestly functions. And here's the funny thing. So Jesus, being our priest, um, also functioned as the sacrifice itself, right? And so he gets to, he gets to do both. He he functions in both roles. He's a lasting sacrifice, and he's a lasting, he's a lasting priesthood. And so no longer must we keep offering those sacrifices, right? We don't have an altar over here where we're sacrificing, you know, lambs and doves and everything like that. We're not doing that up here. We don't do that anymore. And so <laughs> Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is a perfect high priest. He's also our forever high priest. So throughout Israel's history, they had lots of priests. I mean, lots and lots and lots. The descendants of Aaron took the office of 
of priests, a high priest, and the tribe of Levi is dedicated in service of the tabernacle, of the temple. But although they were set apart, they're still human. They still died, right? There's no one person who could continue being Israel's priest forever. Only Jesus could do that. Hebrews 7, uh, 23 says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented from de- by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. We talked a while back in uh, our midweek Bible study about God's eternality. God is, you know, forever. He always was and he always will be. Well, Jesus' priesthood is permanent. He continues forever. Not only did Jesus die as the perfect sacrifice, he also rose again, and now he serves as our priest forever. Jesus is eternal. And so because he lives forever, and we usually talk about this when we get to Easter time, right? Jesus' resurrection. Now we too can look forward to living forever with him. So what else about Jesus being our high priest? He's perfect. He's forever He's also our saving high priest. We read in Hebrews 5, our passage that we just looked at earlier, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Or consider Hebrews 7, 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So did you catch that? Our God is able. He's able to save. He's able to save to the uttermost, completely, at all times. So Jesus, God himself, made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And there's no longer an area of the temple that, like I said, we don't, we don't sacrifice things on an altar anymore. There's no longer, you know, a big curtain that separates the Holy of Holies from the rest of the places that some people were allowed to go into. But Jesus, that curtain was torn apart, and now we can access God freely. It's freely available to all. His, his Jesus, uh, Jesus' sacrifice um, was that significant. Now, Jesus' sacrifice and his priestly authority um, is not just an automatic covering of sin, right? So, and by that, I mean people in all ages, everywhere, sinning, and big deal because Jesus died for it, right? This is, uh, it's not to say that they can just do whatever they want. These verses tell us that, hey, this is for those that obey and draw near to God. It's, a, it's for those who choose, and it's a gift offered to us, and then we must be willing to accept that gift, right? So thinking back to the Israelite priests of old, it's true that they held a significant role, right? I'm sure you could tell just as we've been talking, or maybe you knew a little bit about uh, the priesthood already, but they had a vital function, right? They had a, a premier position in society, and especially in religious practice, Right? between God and his people. And yet they're still human. They weren't without sin. They eventually died. They did not inherently hold the power to save. And Jesus stands in stark contrast to all of them. 
because he's forever perfect and forever able to save. Jesus is our great high priest. He's the best middleman. So our second point, Jesus is able to identify with us. So what kind of high priest is Jesus, aside from the things that we've already talked about? Well, the Bible tells us in that passage, Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We can read in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted, right? And I'm sure he experienced temptation all throughout his life, too. He's 100% God, but he's also 100% human. And it's not a sin to be tempted, but he knew what it was like to go through those temptations. And he never gave in. Even aside from temptation itself, we know that Jesus experienced very real human struggles, right? Common things that everybody has gone through in the history of the world. Jesus experienced loss. We read about Lazarus when he passed away and find out later that Jesus rose, uh, raised him from the dead. But Jesus, we see that he took time to grieve Lazarus. And we see Jesus grieving over the city of Jerusalem. Jesus experienced grief. He experienced hardship. He experienced weakness. He experienced the stress and the struggles of this world. But in all of it, he never once sinned. The Bible says that Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. So Jesus knows, but he doesn't. With that knowing, just say, okay, yeah, I see ya. Been there, done that. You'll get over it type of thing. No, Jesus is better than that. Jesus has compassion for what we're going through. Jesus understands what we're feeling. Jesus is also humble. Hebrews 5, 5. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. God the Father appointed Jesus in this role. He's, it's not something he pridefully aspired to, to have the authority of being a high priest. He didn't assume this position for his own gain, for his own power. As we see many times in the Bible, Jesus consistently humbles himself out of love both for God and for us. So you're getting the sense here, I mean, what a perfect middleman. Like, could there be anyone better? Jesus is the best mediating high priest there ever could be. Philippians 2 says, and being found in human form, he, that is Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was humble even to the point of death, becoming that sacrifice for all sin. He was obedient to God the Father. 
And even after, he didn't assume the priesthood, saying, well, I deserve this now. This is my right, you know? No, Jesus continued in humility to serve as needed. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is obedient to God the Father and not only performs a great work in that on the cross, but also serves as a great example of what obedience to God looks like and what submission to his authority um, should be. And then the last point here as we you know, start to wrap things up this morning is that we can go to Jesus with confidence. So when we read that in our, in our scripture this morning at the very outset too, right? Let's talk about that a little bit more. Jesus is the perfect middleman. I mean, we've seen how time and again throughout the Bible, Jesus has offered himself as a gift. He's consistently offered love. He's offered reconciliation. He's, he's been obedient out of love to God the Father. Jesus, you know, quite evidently loves us, and not just a little bit, but a lot. Jesus' function as high priest isn't to say that God is mean and needs to be calmed down or something, right? Sometimes when we think of a mediator, there's, you know, maybe Barney Fife over here, who's a little bit of a hothead, and then there's somebody over here who... Maybe he's also a little bit of a hothead, but Andy has to calm him down, right? Well, here's what Hebrews 4.16 says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So let's take that apart a little bit. We see a few things here. We see with confidence. Confidence, uh, I suppose sometimes you could think of it as you know, just an air of, you know, self-assurance, almost arrogant, you know, well, I got this, I'm gonna go make this happen, I'm confident in this is the way it's gonna be, you know, or we could think of confidence as being faith or belief that someone is going to act in a proper and effective way. So we can approach God with that light, trusting that God is who he says he is. God is good. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. God is love. God cares about you. So we can have that kind of confidence in who God is and who we are as his children. Or what about that phrase, throne of grace? Well, who sits on the throne? God, right? It's described as a throne of grace, and we're encouraged even to draw near to it. So maybe we're not as accustomed to the picture of a throne or a throne room as uh, maybe some previous generations would be, or previous cultures. But if you can imagine with me this, you know, great hall, whether it's Buckingham Palace Maybe it's in Paris somewhere. And there's just elaborate tapestries all over. I mean, there's gold trim on the walls, on these pillars. There's the finest decor the world has to offer. There are artwork by some of the, the, the 
best artists in the whole country. Even the ceiling is just decked out with more gold and carved designs. I'm talking the most elaborate room you could ever imagine. And at the very end of this hall, against the wall, is a chair. Not just any chair. It's also decked out with gold. <laughs> and it's got all those designs on it. And seated on it is the king or the queen in all of their stately you know, uniform and uh, splendor. Now, for an average person like you or me, I don't think I would be very comfortable approaching that throne, you know, walking through the whole thing. Wow, look at that. My goodness. No way. That, that person painted that? My goodness, that cost millions of dollars. Can't believe all the artwork around here. Just the gold and just the quality of the, look at even the floor, spotless. Oh, yep, there's the, there's the king down there at the end of the hall. Can you imagine how intimidating that might be? Or let's say for the United States, you walk into the Oval Office. The president sits there behind his desk. He's waiting for you. And he tells you to approach the desk. Yes, sir, I'm coming, you know. <laughs> uh, that would be a little intimidating, right? Surely you'd have more important matters to deal with. We can read in Revelation a description of God in heaven on his throne. It's even more breathtaking than anything uh, that's ever been on earth. And we're encouraged to approach him. Not only to approach him, but to approach him confidently. Trusting in who he is. And what he is able to do. Receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I'll invite Lana to come help me close and, and play the keys at this time. We find once again that God loves us. He blesses us with mercy and with grace. God is able to help you. In fact, we find over and over again in the Bible that God welcomes his people to come near to him. When Jesus was on the earth, he says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or James 4, 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God welcomes his people to come near to him. And he's demonstrated his love for us in numerous ways. God sent his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, who is God himself to dwell among us and offer himself as that sacrifice for sin. And Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, then sent the Holy Spirit to indwell those who follow him. And Jesus now advocates for us with God the Father as our middleman, our mediator. And God wants 
relationship with you. And it's all made possible by Jesus. It's all pointing to Jesus. So today, we're going to take a little bit of an extended time uh, in prayer to close. And just take some moments to respond. And I'm going to open up the altar in just a little bit uh, for anyone who would like to come. Um, But I'd like to pose that there's two groups of people in here. First, maybe you're hearing some of these things and you're thinking, man, I really don't. I really don't know Jesus yet, and I haven't chosen to follow him. Um, he's, you know, I don't claim him as my middleman or my mediator or anything. Um, but maybe you'd like to explore that more, or maybe you're just ready to make that decision. Well, hey, I'd love to talk with you about that um, in just a minute. Feel free to, you know, we can, we can chat. I'd love to pray with you. Or second, maybe you haven't considered the depths of God's love for you. Do you know that he's good? Do you know that he is trustworthy? Do you know that he gives you grace? Do you know that even in your health problems, that God sees you? And that Jesus is able to relate to your weaknesses? Do you know that even in your relationship struggles, that God sees you and that Jesus can relate to those struggles. Or even in your grief, in your mourning, experience of loss, that God sees you and Jesus can relate to your grief. Do you know that even in your sin, God sees you? He's not afraid of your sin. And Jesus can do something about it. So maybe it's a fresh understanding of God's attitude towards you. Maybe you need to go to prayer and approach his throne of grace with renewed confidence in all of your weakness because of our great high priest, Jesus, knowing that he is loving and he is able to help you. God's presence is available to all. God wants to meet with you. This incredible God that we've been talking about this morning, our precious Jesus, he wants to know you. So whatever it is that God's been speaking to you about as we've been talking this morning, whether it's one of those things that have been mentioned or maybe it's something else on your heart, I encourage you to come to the altar. Um, You can come right now and uh, I'll get off the platform. We'll just spend a few moments in prayer. Or if you'd like to pray in your seat, you can do that as well. But I encourage you to come. Meet with God. He wants to meet with you. And it's all possible because of our great middleman, Jesus. The path is wide open for you to approach him. So I invite you to come. Let's spend a few moments in prayer.
God, we thank you for the gift that you offer us today and the privilege that it is to know you and to experience your presence with us. Lord, teach us to become more like you, to exercise humility and love for one another, for you. That we be generous with who we are and what you've given us. And God, we thank you that you are good, you're safe, and you're someone that we can go to and, and receive grace, receive mercy uh, to help in time of need. Lord, we're not perfect, and we know that you are, so God, help us to um, become more perfect, more like you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice which washes over us and is sufficient for all sin so that we can have reconciliation with you God speak to us we pray and Lord I pray for each of the people here as they go would you continue to minister to them and speak to them regarding what's on their hearts and in their minds? Pray that you would grow them and help us to become the disciples, the people that you want us to be. Please give them everything that they need for life and for godliness. And you give them favor in their community and may more come to know you and, and uh, have this great privilege of having a relationship with you God thank you for all that you've done for us all that you will do and Lord we look forward to the day when you will come again and so evidently exercise your kingship establish your your rule uh, come soon Jesus we pray all these things in Jesus name amen all right well thanks for being here this morning uh, God bless you if you have not got a chance to pick up a Christmas stocking those are in the connections room and uh, likewise if you have already picked one up there's a, a big tote in there that you can deposit a filled stocking in so thanks so much have a blessed week